Check, check. One, two, check. Mic's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. All right, welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 24, I believe. Um, the date for this one is, let's see, June 26th, 2020. And uh, I reached back into my friend archive, and I have a good friend of mine, Tony Birchfield, with me. But you go by Tony Capone, is that right? Uh, you know, that's just a handle, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, a Facebook handle, so, you know, if you don't want to find me, don't find you, but yeah. Yeah, hey, so, uh, Tony, I have known you now for 20-something years. I think it's about 22. About 22, 23 years, yeah. Yeah, because um, you and I... We're just babes when we first met each other. We were in our twenties. More like twenty five. I know. I my well, daughter, my daughter's twenty four. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it is probably about twenty five. I think I met you when I was about twenty four, um, and you were a, a year older, and and so yeah. I mean, now we're both in our fifties. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So do the math. <laughs> Hey, so um, I really appreciate you wanting to uh, chat with me because one of the problems for us is we never get to see each other and really get to talk. Uh, you know, you, you still live where you live in, in your neighborhood and I and I live in Eureka. And so it, it, it a little bit far away. I mean, I think I saw you um, within the last year, but, um, you know, that's about how we do it now. We get to see each other right. maybe once a year and, and just catch up. But uh one of the things I wanted to kind of um, talk about with you was a little bit about your schooling and your education, because one of the things we found out about each other was that we went to the same high school together, but didn't even know each other. Didn't even know each other. That was absolutely funny. That's right. We did. Yes. We knew some of the same people. Too, we, just, right. Was, you were a year well, older. I, so. I hung out with the cool kids and, and, and you didn't. Oh, but. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh Yeah. So, uh, so listen, tell me a little bit about growing up for you. Like talk to me a little bit about family. Talk to me a little bit about, um, where you grew up and, and then, um, what schooling was like. So, you know, it's pretty wide open, but start wherever you want. I, you know, I I grew up in St. Louis city, actually the, uh, Darth Webby housing project in 1968, you know, in, in that area which you know was a little uh it was a lot different then um going to school for me it, it wasn't always a treat because you had to get through a lot of uh there was a lot of turmoil tough times you had to get through um school was important in my family i come from a huge family my uh grandmother has 16 kids so Wow. I'm one of ninety. I'm one of ninety grandchildren. Oh my goodness! And, and, oh yeah, yeah. But school was extremely important. My mom, single mom, five kids. School was definitely important to her. I think most of my uh, childhood, most of my childhood, I remember my mom doing two things: work and going to school. And that was her motto. If you lived in her house, those are two things you're going to do: you're, you're going to go to work, or you're going to go to school. School was extremely important to her because education really saved us. And what I mean by that, that my growing up in a housing project is tough. It's it's not easy. And that education was her way out. So 
I went. I started out school at Peabody Elementary. It, it was different. It was different. Um, my education experience, especially going to schools that weren't accredited to moving to West County to where schools were a little tougher, um, well, it was different. I, uh, I went to McKinley High School for one year. And, and despite it, it, that was actually a good year. That was fun. Uh, a little more freedom, a little more you had to pay attention. But again, it was, uh, it, it was extremely different by way of the value of education you got. And that was something my mom always drove in. I said, hey, you want to better yourself? You want out of your situation? Education, that was the key. And uh, uh, we ended up at Parkway South. It was the summer of, we moved out in West County, summer of 85. So I started off my sophomore year at, at Parkway South. And you talk about um, not just a cultural explosion, but an academic explosion. I didn't know what an essay was. Hmm. I didn't know what an essay was until uh, a teacher at Parkway South was like, okay, you need to read this book, write an essay. I'm like... I'm going to wait till everybody leaves the class and then ask them, what is an essay? I remember him looking at me going, are you kidding me? And he asked what school I came from. Hmm. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, so I actually had to have him sit down after school and explain what an essay was. Hmm. So what, now I got home. Hey, what grade were you in? Was this freshman? I was in 10th grade. It's my sophomore year. Sophomore year, okay. Sophomore year. A lot of times I think, and I think to this day, one of the issues with with some of, um, I'm not going to even use the word urban, but some of the uh, schools where there's not a huge tax base, I'll put it that way, where there's some low socioeconomic um, areas, is you don't have the funding and you've got a bunch of kids in a classroom, and then it becomes sometimes, unfortunately, disciplinary uh, issues come up. So you kind of focus more on that. And in an environment like that, that that pops up a lot. So I I just think sometimes the value, there's a lot of of aspects in that that you don't get the value of education uh, where you would work. I, I finally ended up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, when you say it was kind of a cultural explosion, um, how many kiddos were in your family? At that time, there was three of us left. Uh, my two older brothers had went off to the military. That was, again, my mother's rule was you're going to school or you best find a job. And at that time, they're both older than I am. At that time, they chose the Marines and the Army as their way of uh, pursuing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just my sister, or myself, my little sister, and little brother. And uh, it was so different. They just give you an example. We could never, never have a pizza delivered where we lived. Because mm. nobody was going to deliver a pizza to you. And when we moved into uh, Manchester, Baldwin area, mm-hmm. we, uh, that was the first thing we did. I remember 
the moving guys moved all our stuff in our house, and we're like, okay, what do we do now? And my mom ordered pizza. She let us have a couple friends stay over. I, I do remember that. And I remember my friends looking at me, my God, your mom won the lottery? You guys were rich or what? <laughs> you guys, there was actually a pizza guy. And I remember we ordered Domino's pizza, and they delivered it, and we're looking at it like, do we eat it? Do we they spit on it? Or, you know, yeah, right. It, it was really uh, uh, and that and actually walking through your neighborhood and it's quiet. Hmm. That was the other thing that, it, and Mike, that was something I had to really get used to, to be able just to sleep. You yeah, because you, you weren't, yeah. Yeah, yeah you used to be in the hustle and bustle of what's going on and, and you went to bed, it was actually quiet. Hmm. Yeah, so that was probably a little unnerving. It was a lot unnerving. You know, you're not used um, to that. You're ready for that sound. We, <laughs> my sisters and I, we walked through the neighborhood. I'll never forget. That's when you had the Walkman and you had the whatever. So yeah. we're walking through the neighborhood with our little boombox. And I swear to God, we probably felt like the, you know, and a lot of people were old enough to remember the Beverly Hillbillies. Right, <laughs> we're, right. we're walking through the neighborhood, got our music going. I play, I remember Don Henley, Boys of Summer. Yeah. And we're walking through the neighborhood like, okay, where does everybody hang out? Where's the basketball court? Where's mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you're walking through a suburban neighborhood. You, you, you don't have that. The basketball court, somebody's driveway. Right. It was, <laughs> you, you didn't have that, that, uh, that city life where you can just walk down the street. There's a bunch of guys on a playground or there's a bunch of guys just hanging out. Or, it wasn't like that. So. Hey, so yeah. what other kind of things did you have to kind of get used to within the educational setting there at Parkway South? Because um, it's a huge school. Um, uh, you know, I can remember getting lost my first year there. Um, the crazy thing is you and I both started at Parkway in our sophomore years. So, like, um, you were a junior when I was a sophomore, but uh, you had already been there a year. But we had both started when we were turning 16. Um, and I can just remember, you know, from someone who I, like, I can remember that building being built. Okay. Cause I lived right next door to it in big Ben woods. And so I can remember the, the stadium going up. I can remember hanging out in the stadium before it was actually open and, uh, around all the construction equipment. Um, but getting there for the first time as a student and walking those halls, I can also remember just how terrified I was of, of getting lost and these kind of things. What kind of things did you have to deal with as you were going through that first year um, at, in South? Um, well, to be honest with you, the, big, the biggest hurdle, I think, was, I mean, I was different. Yeah, you know the the biggest hurdle. Hey, wait a minute. So I'm going to stop you because this is not a video podcast. This is this is ears only. So <laughs> so either you describe yourself or I'll describe you. But but <laughs> when you say when you say you're different, if you and I were you and I were just talking about how what it might be like for you to have to uh, go get shoes, and and I said. Uh, I'm sure it's a little, a little more different for you because your feet are way bigger than mine, and I'm an average size kid. So, uh, how tall are you, and how much do you weigh? I, I, I am a six foot two, and at the time I went to Parkway, I had just quit boxing, so I was probably a hundred and seventy pounds, hundred seventy five pounds. 
African-American man walking through uh, Parkway South. Right. And most of the people, I mean, you, you had... And let, let's give context to the the time too, because this was the night. Er, this was mid eighties. This, this is nineteen eighty five. Yeah, this is nineteen. Yes, this is right? mid eighties. Yeah, this is this is definitely what the time. It wasn't like it was today. Right. Where I think things are a little more, um, uh, a little more common or a little right. more acceptable. Right. Right. But yeah, for me to even. I mean, even just when we were walking through our neighborhood, I think people were like, what? And guys, who the hell are they? Right. Uh, but walking through Parkway South, I remember just feeling like all eyes were on me. Mm. You know, you're this big guy and you're, you're kind of walking through the halls and you're, you, you can feel people staring at you and going, who's that? Who's that? I remember a young lady. Am I allowed to say her name? You can say it. I mean, if you... Gina Black was one of the first yeah. people that ever uh, uh, said anything to me. Uh, her, Mia Katinas, they were all on the... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, they were on the um, cheerleading squad. And uh, I remember some, there was some of the first people to come up and go, um, just, wow, who are you? <laughs> You're a big guy. Who are you? And I remember being like, oh, my God, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong thing to these girls and have them go tell somebody I'm assaulted or, you know. Well, and I'm going to stop them. you there for a second, too, because had anything like that happened to you before? Had you had an encounter like that where you felt like that? Not exactly where I was from. Where I, where I grew up, your size helped you. Right, right, right. Certain situations, but... Um, uh, not certainly not today like it is, you know, somebody wants to grab a gun or whatever. It was, right. you duked it out with your fist. Right. You, you, right. you duked it out. But that was a different kind of feel, a different kind of look. It was, it was a wholly terrified look, especially I remember getting on the school bus to, because I wasn't driving yet. Mm-hmm. So getting on the school bus to go back home. And I mean, literally, literally, you step on the bus and everybody gets quiet. Like, who, what the hell? <laughs> like everything just stopped? <laughs> everything just stopped. And, you know, little girls, little white girls are clutching their purses or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it literally like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and things weren't so PC either. Right. First year at Parkway. Uh, I, the, the, but the good thing about it, you could have that conversation and then people weren't afraid to say, okay, right. well, well, are you a thug or things of that nature? Right. I remember my sister coming home being extremely upset. She got into a confrontation with another student mm-hmm. and there was a comment made, be careful. She probably has a knife or something. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, so I think that was the biggest, that, that was the, the hardest thing to kind of get through. You know, you kind of erase that. Where you know, Mike and I, I hate to say, we even had teachers that said insensitive things, but you know, it just wasn't. It, it, it wasn't, especially back in the eighties. It wasn't. It, it wasn't horrible for them to say that. Right. Whereas they just said things uh, to just make out of, you just out of just, ignorance. Just out of ignorance. Well, just you know, I, I know there have been times. Over the course of our relationship, I am most certainly, I am definitely someone who has probably said something and been like, 
dude, I don't know how to say this with, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because I've always been somebody to, to ask you straight up, you know, you know, what is this like, or what's that like? And, and, uh, and cause when you and I met, really truly met and and i can somewhat remember you in the hallways i can i because because you're imposing tony i mean i was just this yeah, little french fry compared that. to you and and, yeah. and uh, you still are today and so um but i i do do have an inkling of of who you were um because we did know some of the same people but i was not uh, in the league that you were in at all um you know i i grew up uh, just down the street from the school and, and the friends that I had, I had just come from the private school setting too. So I wasn't really into, I didn't know a whole lot of people right away at, at uh, Parkway until um, I really kind of got into it that year. But then I was, then I was gone too. I mean, that, that same year I was in and then I was out. So I wasn't even there for the full so- sophomore year. We moved to Chicago. So, um, but uh, I just know that I've seen it uh, through my relationship with you since I've known you from South County area, let's just say that. So, so you and I met, uh, through work basically. And we met where my wife and I met and, um, and we worked at a restaurant down there in South County and, and, and Tony, you and I would have conversations about how, um, backwards everything would be in in that area and and i don't know if it's gotten any better or worse or but i know you still deal with it i mean i know it's not something that just goes away um i just wonder sometimes uh you know how is it that you are able to work your way through some of this stuff that you because you're so nice in being able to say well the teachers didn't really know back then but you know as well as i do if they said something like that now to kids that they'd be in all kinds of trouble, right? Oh, absolutely. How have you been able to handle absolutely. all of this kind of stuff over the years? Oh, my God. I, I mean, just example after example. Because uh, sometimes you don't walk away. I know that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but now that I'm older, yeah, sometimes you, you, you got to walk away. Yeah. But, you know, again, just I, I uh, you, you try and take the high road. One of the biggest things is, especially back then, you knew you couldn't say a whole lot because the repercussions were going to fall on you no matter what. Mm-hmm. You were in a system or a society, which goes back to the overcome question. You're in a system and society that you know is no matter what you say is going to be stacked up against you. And you can pray for a hero. You can pray for somebody that will go, yeah, no, that wasn't right. I remember buying my first car, Mike, and was excited enough to tell a teacher that I trusted, that, that I was, I thought was really, really cool. And he goes, well, it was going to be a Cadillac? Oh. And I'm like, you sound bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I didn't know to say right. that enough, no, you're good. Sorry. You're good. You know, it was really like, who, you know, in your mind, you're going, who the hell do you think you're talking to? But you can't react that way. Right. Especially, and, you know, he, he we, he laughed it off. We did the yuck, yuck thing, and um, it was insulting. There was another teacher that, uh, when I was graduating, and, and this is in 87 when I'm getting ready to graduate. Right. And we're, I was talking about uh, after school. Well, you know, black men are known to have babies early and not take care of their kids. Mm. <laughs> what? Mm. <laughs> what? You know, you want to go, did you say that to the other white kids? But, 
Right. Uh, that, that was probably the biggest overcome. I'm not saying that happened a lot. I met a really a lot of really nice people that I'm still friends with today. Right. Um, at Parkway, that were that were understanding that were, but that had to be the biggest uh, um, hurdle to get over. The second one, and, and again, like you said, being an imposing figure, I like how you that I like that term. <laughs> being an imposing, he's figure, huge, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you you really had to watch um, getting upset about things like that because right. you, you you were going to wind up on the on the losing end. Um, the other thing, it was really and, and this for me was a good thing. I remember um, the the class criteria, and it, it was so much different. It was really a challenge. For example, you can go down to the auto shop club and you, you actually worked on a truck or a car. Right. Whereas the school I went to, you read books about it. There was no really, no hands-on anything. Right. You know, maybe he got a hold of an alternator that, okay, <laughs> this is things of that nature. Our science lab. Mm-hmm. That had to be the biggest thing that sticks out in my head. You talk about different, the science lab was incredibly different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had goggles on, you had gloves, you actually got to mix some things and do some actual sciencey stuff. Right. Whereas, again, and then the football fields, mm-hmm. tennis courts, things of that nature, mm-hmm. where you're like, holy cow. I have to ask, have you, you, have, you, have you been there recently? Have you seen it recently? I, I have not. I, I've heard it is really, really nice. Oh, I have my not. gosh. You should see the scoreboard alone. It's like you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I haven't. I yeah. have not. Yeah, it's pr- it's not. pretty nice. Yeah, um, I, I, that's what I've heard. Uh, like I said, I'm still friends with some people I went to school with. You know, like oh my god, dude, they're yeah. way better than I'm like, huh? Okay. Yeah. Hey, um, just to give some more context to the time frame that we're talking about, um, were you in school the the day that um, uh, the Challenger blew up? I was. I was in Miss Miles' science class. I remember that. Yeah, yes. so you and I were in the same space uh, during yes. that time. So yeah, I, I was I, I was that. in science class as well, which is really weird that we were both in a science class. But, um, yeah. yeah, so um, – but I want to fast forward a little bit to right now, you know. Obviously, there's a ton of stuff going on, right? Absolutely. So I, I need your thoughts, you know, what – what are we doing here? <laughs> where, where are we, we going? You know, asking, I, I mean, and I say we, I mean, Americans have, right, we, right. We should have been, we should have been asking that question all, years, along. Years, years ago. all along, all along. What are we doing here? How do we fix this? How do we bury this thing once and for all that everybody feels and we can stop calling each other, whatever. And we're just Americans anymore. Right. We're just Americans anymore. The only time, in this country, I feel like you, like you and I just did, when you have to describe a man, if you're describing him for people that can't see, right. you know, um, I think that conversation in this type of form, this type of form that you have right now needs to happen a lot more between the different races and different cultures and different backgrounds. It's easy for me, and I, I feel lucky. Because I grew up in one area and got to move out to another area. Now, I'm not the only person that's done that. Right. But I think the more we share those experiences, I think people 
maybe get a grasp and understand because one of the things I think uh, people that grew up a certain way and I know uh, this term has caused so much chaos, white privilege when you grew up a certain way you take it for granted because yeah. that's all you've known yeah. you know where you and I live, I live in Melville, Missouri, you, you're in Eureka you know, a few miles away, people live a, a totally different life. Sure. Now, you can say that's their own fault. You can say they're lazy. You can say they're, they can get out. It's, it's really not that hard. Right. You know, you can only build a house with the material that you have. Right. And I really think the more we have these type of interactions where people can understand where somebody else is coming from before we just go judging them and saying that it's, you know, it's it's believe me i lived it it's, it's not that easy yeah. it isn't well and and you know the the thing that that's so difficult right now is you know our young people are really growing up at a time that's totally different than from from when we grew up you know and so any information that they might want to gain or knowledge they can it's at their fingertips you know and and i think what what i get frustrated about with my upbringing is that the only a piece of, of reality was really shown to me over the years. Do you know what I mean? Like right. I, when you talk about that white privilege, uh, yeah, you know, I am I'm a product of that for sure because I I only know so much of what um, was taught to me at the at the at the early stages, and so um, I struggle with the fact that you know. Why, why is it that we, we didn't want to talk about things? You know, I, I understand if, if, it's, if it's ugly and it's sore and, it, and it's hard to deal with, but I, I don't like just not pretending like things aren't there when they're right there. <laughs> you, I'm literally right there in front of you. I you just cannot okay. stand that. And I feel like it, my family, great people. I mean, you, you know my mom and dad. I know, I know, yeah, absolutely great You know, people. but but they were not ones for confrontation. They were not ones for, for dealing with uh, hard stuff. And, and so we never really had to get into deep conversations about race for, for sure or, or anything that, that uh, was beyond just what we were growing up in. And so um, w- what is nice now is that, you know, I feel like I can talk to my kids about anything. And, and, and that wasn't the case for my parents. They, like they, And I don't know if it was like that with your mom and dad or, or if your parents only talked to you about certain things. But to be honest with you, we really try with our kids to just be open and honest about what's going on. Because I'd rather them ask questions than learn about something on their own and it be all wrong. Or, you know, up, exactly. yeah, you know you, they, they learn it from a friend. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is not the way you need to be thinking about this. But, but you know, Mike, I think. And, and your parents, knowing your parents, I really feel your parents, your family, didn't look at individuals. They looked no. at individuals yeah. as individuals. They did, and not so. So I really think it was one of those things that, and, and they probably taught you that. I know they taught you that just from the experience, the interactions I had with John and Peggy. Right. I, I know they're all. They, they look at you as an individual. And I think maybe, I, I can't speak for your parents, but I think maybe uh, if you treat people as an individual, and I think that's what everybody needs to do. 
Right. Treat a person as an individual. Don't look at his or her skin. My God, I was invited to your house every year for Easter. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I remember I was so nervous because I broke your dad's glass. <laughs> I'm never gonna, I broke your dad's glasses. And again, no, it was just like, hey, things happen. It's, it's yeah. fine. It's yeah. fine. No big deal. Um, it was never, you know, and I think that's how, that's, that's the key. If you look at everybody as an individual, not a race, not a color, not a culture, not a as an individual. I I, I really believe that's the key to solving a, a lot of this. The other thing is, I I there's work to be done on both sides. Oh yeah, there, we talk about white privilege, and I think when the term, I think the word privilege is what bothers uh, some people, but. Um, when you talk about white privilege, it's that privilege where, like you and I were kind of talking, you, you can walk through someplace and not worry about, okay, is there going to be a misunderstanding here? Is there going to be, uh, you're going to look at me and just assume I'm ready to do something wrong? Or can I drive down the road? And I've tried to explain this to several of my friends that I can drive down a street and you, like, so you and I have been friends for a long time. You've known this is happening. Where I can get pulled over, I got to worry. I really have to worry. Well, what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. They're going to treat me a little more aggressive. One, probably because, like you said, <laughs> I'm a big guy. Right, right, right. Or is it for another? Either way, I want to go home at night. Right. And probably without some bruises or, right. or whatever. And... I, I think some of the things, some some of the things that term white privilege, that may be a derogatory term, but I think if people start understanding what that really means, and hey, let's do something about it, well, let's do something about it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think white folks just have a tough time with uh, feeling as though they should feel guilty about what they have and it's not necessarily about that you know it isn't about that at all you you are where you are and that's where we are right now but absolutely nobody's going to beat you up over that but please recognize how it is you know and why it is this way absolutely you know and and then let's work on making sure we're leveling the playing field for people i was listening to a guy that went on and on and on about how hard he worked and he's been working since this and he's been working mm-hmm. since that. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. And I applaud you for that. Yeah, right. But I want you to imagine when you walked into someplace right away, somebody was like, ain't hiring him or her. No? Mm-hmm. Because A, of stereotypes. B, just flat out fear. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have to experience that. There's work to be done on both sides because sometimes I think um, some African Americans are quick to drop, jump to the whole "you're racist because you don't" or "you're racist because you don't." That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes, guess what? You got to work on you, as my mother used to tell right. me. Right. You got to work on you, and if you've done everything you can, if all your ducks are in a row, then you can ask those questions. Right. I think we definitely need to look at the way the scales are uneven and how just, uh, you know, just to be blunt about it, we need to look at why uh, the scales are 
just tip differently. Right. Not just injustice, not just an economic, the, the whole economic structure of things, but why is it that way? Yeah. Why is it that way? The other side, I think that we, as African Americans, need to help ourselves. One of the biggest things that plague our community, I'm sorry, is black-on-black crime, black-on-black right. black violence, things that there, I think it's absolutely insane. It is absolutely insane that in one summer, 25 people under the age of 18 were accidentally shot or, mm -hmm. or you mm -hmm. know, shot due to some type of violence that was going on in the street. When a 10-year-old girl can't lay in her bedroom and try and better herself by studying, Right. But I wasn't about a stray bullet coming through her window. I think that's, to me, I'm sorry, that's a bigger problem than what right. um, police officer is going to do. Uh, it, 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 I know that sounds horrible, but they both need equal whatever. But I think at the rate that black-on-black -black crime happens, that's something that uh, needs, needs, needs more attention. Well, and, and I think it's just crime in general, too, but, uh, but certainly right. because... I think you could also look at white on white crime. I, I bet I bet you would see that, you know, most of the the crimes that are committed by white folks are probably against other white folks. You know, um, but certainly. But when you have a smaller number, yeah. When you make up a smaller number of of, of a population, yet the crime in your community right. is done on a larger scale to each other. That's a problem. Yeah, and we also know, I mean, we can get into the whole, uh, the way the criminal justice system has been set up and, and, and prison systems and, and uh, you know, how uh, it's been privatized and all that kind of stuff. But Absolutely. You know, we, Absolutely. You know it, it's Absolutely. been, it, people you have made... You get down to the courthouse uh, if you don't have a million dollars, you're sorry. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, have you seen uh, that film, 13th? I have not yet. Go go take a I look at that because, uh, and you and I need to talk after that because it, it is really, it's scary to, to see just how much money has been made on the backs of, of prisoners, basically, you know, and and uh, I thought we were supposed to be rehabilitating people when they <laughs> when they commit a crime, but really, we're, we're just making money. Yeah, it really, and that, that goes back... Uh, Directly after slavery, that type of environment right, right. going on. I have a problem, Mike. I gotta admit. Yeah. And I, I love my wife. She tries to push me to, to yeah. some of those things. Um, <laughs> but I, I have an issue sometimes. Why I can't watch those without <laughs> getting uptight. So some, some of those I don't see. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But it gets uh, you pretty frustrated, is what you're saying. It does. It gets yeah. Well, I think I think it's good for um, for people in general, and I, I do think that this is happening. That we are seeing people become more educated about things, uh, and not only our recent past but our deep past, and 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 checking in on on you know what this country was founded on, and and are, are we going to really truly live up to the ideals that we've set forth, or are we going to? Um, continue to kind of bury the things that we're not proud of and this kind of thing. And, and I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful that, that more and more of us are, are going to be able to rise up and, and, and help 
their fellow man, you know, because that's really what we need to be doing, don't you think? And that's really what it, you said it exactly. Okay. I think if, if we really look and say, okay, let's put this thing to bed once and for all. Right. How do how do we change this? How do we get rid of this environment? And there's work to be done on both sides. Oh, yeah. Really, there's work to be done on both sides. An African American man or woman should not fear driving down the street no, or no. or going to get a home loan and you know well and i gotta ask you did you um with your kids have any account encounters or have to go through any situations with them as they were becoming of driving age and that kind of thing absolutely yeah um i my son who, who to be honest with you my oldest son who is a gentle giant he, I was say, he's, he's, been into, he's, kind of a, he's a big boy too. Right. Uh, I, I've always tried to say, "Hey, look, it's yes sir, no sir, whatever they ask right. you to do, what just do it." I'd rather you come home. You, you can, I'd rather you come home angry than not come home at all. Or right. I'd rather you not get a warning shot in the back of your head. I'd rather you come home and we there, there's. There are systems in place that you can go and do things that, that now does it work all the time? No, you can file a complaint. I know it, it, it does believe you me. I've been humiliated on the side of the road several times, Yeah, but it doesn't, uh, it's not going to help your cause to get hurt or, or even killed. Um, I, I, I do. I, I've worried about, that several times. Hey, so the where, first time to have it, he 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 is literally. I, I don't even want to drive. I'd no. rather not drive. Right. How old was he? I Tyler was probably about seventeen. Yeah. He's about seventeen. Seventeen's 18, yeah. a tough age, no matter who you are. But, but uh, it really is. It really is. I used to tease him like, "Dude, you drive like Miss Daisy." <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, honestly, it's a shame. I, I, I understood why. Yeah, yeah. I understood why. And so what's going on with your kids? What are they up to? Tyler is now married. He lives in Oregon. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. He went to Oregon State. He's now married. Uh, that's where he met his wife. That's cool. Uh, they are, he is into, uh, it, it, I always say it wrong, but, um, Develop, kids with developmental issues. He, he he likes to teach that. That's that was his niche. His wife is a publisher. Okay. Um, now her job is talking about moving them. So he's he's kind of he's okay with it. Yeah. But Tyler, like he, he gets attached. <laughs> he yeah. gets attached. So, yeah. Uh, my daughter is going to Columbia. She's finishing up Columbia, and she took kind of a different path. My daughter really is an artsy person, so yeah. um, she goes to Columbia in Chicago, and uh, she's got one more year there. She kind of took a break. Was she which, in New York at all? She was in New York, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, she started out in New York. Okay. Um, she went to uh, a performing arts school there, and then she took a break, and now she's in Chicago. So New that's, York got a little expensive. Yeah, <laughs> got, you know, that's got, the one thing. Really I've never been. My wife has been there, and she says, oh, we got to go, and you just got to see it to believe it. And I'm like, yeah. uh, but I can only imagine it's probably pretty expensive up there. Oh, yeah, it got really expensive. I'm very proud of them. They they did 
very well academically in school. There was some uh, scholarships and things that helped, but very good. Heard going to New York, it didn't go. Uh, yeah. Hey, it, and it then uh, tell me a little bit about Island Brothers Barbecue. That you know, and, and it was so. I, I got to tell you though, it, you know, to see a to see a guy of my stature get teary eyed when my kids told me, "Wow, Dad, we're really proud of you." <laughs> uh, the barbecuing in our family that was always the go-to it, it, it literally when there was when we got a chance to on a holiday get together and barbecue that was a big event it was it was like mardi gras in our family mm. it was it was a really big event so i grew up around barbecuing and i grew up around uh just that smell of smoked meat it always takes me back but uh so a a uh, good friend of ours that we both know, um, Colleen Miskovic, yeah. was like, hey, why don't you, you know, she owns her own restaurant. She's like, why don't you do an event here and just see what people think? So we did. And then all of a sudden we're getting flooded with, hey, when are you going to do that again? That was awesome. So a friend of we went out, uh, bought some equipment. And uh, we do catering and pop-ups at places, at restaurants that want to have an event. That's cool. Uh, we're wanting to get brick and mortar, but we both work full-time. Yeah. So it's kind of hard. So we're, we're putting it together. We've had several catering jobs and a few pop-ups that were very successful. And uh, I, I love it. I, I think the best part, is, is, and you know me, I'm a ham. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love when just interacting with people that show up and right. and it's more it's more fun than it is work it is so so far we're doing good that's awesome well listen um i'm gonna wrap us up here um any shout outs you want to say to anybody your family your friends uh you know i gotta uh, your family yeah. I, I gotta throw that out there your family obviously my kids uh tyler tory alex jacob i love you um, but your family, I, I want to tell them hello. It's been a minute because, you know, life does happen. Yep. I, I, I got to do certain things to pay a mortgage. Yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I do. Well, wanna, I, I do appreciate you, you just being on here with me, Tony. And, and thank and, you and, for this opportunity. You know, I want to do it again. Yeah, really well, we will. It. We will because uh, what I'd like to do is just kind of check back in you know, being right in the middle of this silly pandemic and everything. Um, it's one of those situations where it'd be nice to, to actually have you in my studio, we'll say to, to actually sit down and talk and, and, uh, have a drink between the two of us, you know? And, and so, so listen, um, when we finish up a show, you know, that, that there's an intro and there's an outro to the show. The intro is that it's Mike's on. So when we say goodbye, what do you think the outro is? (laughs) <laughs> Mike's out. <laughs> oh, Mike out. Mike's, well, off. Mike's off. Look at you. Mike's off. All right, Tony Birchfield. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, love you, man. I look forward to doing this again. All right, thanks, buddy. All right, no problem. Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.